This is the Truth Booth, and I am your host, Gordon Tamayo. Welcome to the spot where we go head to head with some of the most difficult conversations. We're talking about the type that sometimes can't even be discussed at the dinner table. We're not welcome in the institutional setting, or maybe can't even be discussed with the best friend. Everything from spirituality, sexuality, religion, politics, music, culture, family, and so much more. Get ready for some uncut and raw conversation that helps us get to the truth of the matter because we believe that the truth will set you free. Let's get it. Putting up with my shit over here, I'll put, I'll put up with yours. We're good. <laughs> yeah, but thanks, bro. I appreciate that. The, the thing, hey, let's get the thing is the thing is let's get her done. You know what I mean? Let's get her done. Let's you know I, I know you're you're a hustler and I'm a hustler. Let's, let's let's get it. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm recording already here, so I just want to introduce everybody that's jumping on so far. You know, this is a live broadcast too, so people are going to be able to jump on here and even comment if we get some people. Uh, to live engage with us as well. But welcome everybody who's tuning in. My name is Gordon Smile. This is the Truth Booth. And on this episode, I got a guest on deck here, my boy Tony Ramirez. We, me and him go way back and we're going to get into a little bit of the details. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on deck was because this particular podcast is all about getting into the truth of various topics and not pulling any punches, just kind of getting some raw and uncut conversation uh, about various things. And in this particular case and scenario, we want to get into the street life. And Tony has a pretty unique background uh, where he was engaged with the street life. And so I knew I could tap him for some candid conversation about just getting to the nitty and gritty about what it was that he experienced and some of the backdrop behind that. So, Tony, welcome. First of all, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Gordy. Thank yeah. you very much. You got it, brother. So, where are you posted up right now, by the way? Right, I'm in Baja, California. It's a little bit south of San Diego. I'm in Rosarito, next, about 30, 30 minutes south of TJ. Okay, yeah. And, you, and how long you been there? I've been here in Rosarito for about ten years, and two in in Tijuana. A total of twelve years that I've been deported. Wow, man. That's, thirteen, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so it's been thirteen years since we last seen each other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a trip, huh? That's crazy how time flies. Oh man, unbelievable, um, right? Yes, yeah, man. I mean, I got, I have four kids now, right? And I didn't have any when, obviously, when you were up here still. So a lot's changed, right? A lot's changed over the decades. And so, man, that's a trip. But man, thank you for jumping on again. I, I want to make sure that we get a little bit of a a, a backstory behind yeah, who I you would, are. For pictures you having kids, I just, I just couldn't see that. The Gordy that I knew, you know what I mean? You were right. hustling. You were going to school. You were. Yeah, no, you and me both. You and me both, bro. Back there? in the day, I couldn't have pictured it myself having a family, and so yeah, it's crazy yeah, how yeah, life yeah. changes, you know, and things change. And they have dramatically, hence the reason why we're talking here today. But I, w- I want to talk to you a little bit, bro, about about how you grew up a little bit, because obviously you're not from TJ per se. I mean, you're living there now because of circumstances, which we'll get into in just a minute. But I I want to tap you for a little bit about your backstory to talk to me a little bit about where you grew up, you know, your home life, your school life, kind of the, you know, community growing yeah, up, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. I grew up, I grew up in central California. It's by Fresno in a little town called Hanford. That's, that's where I call home. That's basically where the only home that I ever had, you know? Yeah. And and how was that? Like what kind of community was that? Back in those days, uh, the, uh, Cesar Chavez movement, you know, with the immigration stuff going on. So we're talking back, you, I know I don't know if you ever seen like American Me the movie where mm-hmm. back in those days I mean we weren't very popular per se especially right. uh we were dubbed in my generation as a, you know field workers 
we didn't really, there wasn't too many Mexicans that had careers as, you know, doctors or even as, you know, it was basically all, uh, you know, a white public, especially in Hanford, it was populated by a lot of white people and some, you know, black people. But for the most part, we weren't very, we were, you know, dubbed as janitors and, you know, just made, you know, stuff jobs like that. So it was kind of, it was, it was difficult because it was a lot of racism and, and, you know, even in school, when they would talk about the Mexican history, I would feel, I would feel kind of offended because, you know, you know, Pancho Villa was dubbed like a, you know, an outlaw, you know, mm-hmm. based on what he did to, you know, in the Alamo and all that stuff. So it was kind of rough. It was definitely a, a rough generation for us to grow up in. Yeah, I got you. So mixed the cultural volatility at the time and you being uh, kind of brandished with that on the school front as well really made kind of an identity uh, more of a crisis than anything, it sounds like. What about your home life, bro? Like who who raised you and how'd you come up? Well, my, my mother raised me for the most part, but she, when she was there, I mean, it was a, my mother, you got to understand, in TJ, she, she comes from a, a family of policemen, and, you know, the corruption, everything in Tijuana back in those days, I mean, it was, they were at it with everything. They, they, hmm. you know, the cops basically, even to the day a little bit, they're the, they're the thieves out here. They're the ones robbing people. Hmm. If you don't know anyone, it depends on who you know out here, but back in those days, there wasn't really no host barred, and my, they were never there, so my mom, she, she never really knew what love was. And basically, that's what we received was no love. You know, I mean, she she put a house over a roof over our head and, you know, and food on her mouth. And I'm, and I'm very grateful for that. But at the time, as a, I didn't really understand why she never really, you know, showed us affection and love, you know. Mm. And, you know, it was kind of tough. It was rough because I never had that at home. Mm. Yeah. So you and how many siblings did you have? Like, How many of you grew up in the home? Well, it was a total of six. Two other, two older brothers were like my half brothers. They were, you know, from my, my mom remarried and later on had my, my, um, younger brother and younger sister, uh, which you know him, which you yeah. know him, Speedy from the yeah. music. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I remember Speedy. So that, yeah, he was, a, yeah, he was a product of that, of my, you know, my stepdad, you know, when they got married, which is not very long, but he's kind of like in the same issues I am because that relationship didn't last very long. And I remember at the age of six, I was in old Folsom State Prison already. I mean, shit, I was like, damn, I was pretty young when I went in and out. He wrote me this letter and it touched my heart. And I remember that day when he said in the letter that I'm the only father that he ever knew. And I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I cried and I, I wrote him back and said, you know what? Don't, 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 don't put me, don't put that responsibility upon me. I, I'm more than your dad. I'm your brother and I'm brother. I'm never going to abandon you. Dad's going to abandon you because that's what happened to me and him. I go, I'm your brother, brother. I'm always going to be there for you. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So, so you've seen a, another generation that ended up going in a similar direction as you, not really yeah. having both parents in the home and, and not having the, I guess, the oversight that you both kind of were looking for. Were, were you the oldest out of the bunch then? Out of the, it was me and my sister when, when, when my mother remarried. So there was two older brothers, my stepbrothers, and then I'm the older brother for my mom, you know? Okay. So, and then so, my younger sister, then my younger brother, sister, then my brother. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what would you say the what would you say the role of of not having or not the role, but what would you say the absence of having not having a father in your life played oh, wow. in future wow. decisions, et cetera? Wow. I think that the uh, development or how a person turns out later on in life, people may disagree with this because at some time, we do have to make our own choices and be responsible for our actions. But people have to understand that at that age, when you you know you're like a sponge, you're you're absorbing everything. Whatever your parents they show you and the love that you receive at the at home, that's who basically you're going to turn out to be later on in life. Mm. Um, 
it's very important to have, uh, you know, the father figure. My mom was both my father and my mother, but she didn't know from the frustration of, of having to work and, and being a single mother. She finally divorced uh, my stepdad and, uh, you know, working all them hours. Basically, I ran him up. You know, I started hitting the streets and doing whatever I wanted because mom's was never there. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So how old were you then when you ended up jumping in and running in the streets and getting involved in, in things that, you know, were over your head or you didn't anticipate? I started it out at about 50, at the age of 15. And, yeah. and that's kind of, that's kind of late for my generation of, of my friends or the, you know, the game, so called for my gang from my hood because they were in since like 13, even as young as 12 and smoking marijuana and, and kicking it on the block. You know what I mean? Yeah. So would you say that, I mean, the, I don't, I don't want to speak it to obviouses here because you know, but not everybody does. So the absence of having a dad in your life, the, the, the lack of affection from a mother, and the dynamics that were going on in your home all kind of pushed you, it sounds like, to jump into the streets and looking for something that maybe you weren't getting at home. Is that, is that safe yeah. to say? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I was looking for some acceptance. You know, my mom, uh, she when she remarried, I wasn't really – I didn't feel like part of the new family. I was like a reminder of a, of, of a relationship that had basically just, you know, fell out, and uh, she would – basically humiliate me and I, I kind of felt maybe it was in my imagination that she didn't want me around and you know my new stepdad's family which was a big family I was always excluded I felt excluded I was like in a corner left out no one really wanted me there you know mm. yeah so rejection is kind of what you were feeling yeah. yeah basically rejection and that rejection later on in life turned into hate you know and I, I didn't speak to my mom for years like almost seven years she uh -huh. would travel maybe two three hours to come visit me in prison and I, I would ask the guard, you know, they would say, Ramirez, you have a visit. And I would be like, oh, who is it? She says it's your mom. But tell that lady uh, once again to stop visiting me and, and don't waste her time anymore because my mom's dead. Mm, wow. Wow. Yeah, I would say that's that does sound like hate you had in your heart at the time, huh? Yeah. A lot of hate that I had. Yeah. Wow. So the first time you went to went to prison, when was that? Or how old were you and what was that for? I was, um, I was 17 years old and I remember we were smoking PCP and that it's like a, it's a like LCD. It's like, it's like LCD. It's like a, a hallucinator, you know, like shrooms, you know what I mean? But way worse yeah. than that. Uh -huh. They say it's, they say it's like an elephant tranquilizer, something like that. Mm. But anyway, we're all stoned on this shit. We're like fucking Michael Jackson. We're, 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 we're doing the back, you know, the back, the moonwalk, whatever it is, reverse. What do they call that? that moonwalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're floating and shit. And we, this guy and poor dude, man, he, we're at a seven 11. It's like two in the morning. We're trying to buy some beer and we're, you know, we're all underage, but one, one of the homies, he was overage. And, and I remember this, this gentleman, Spanish speaking guy asked us to give us a ride, maybe about 45 minutes, maybe from, from Boise to, to, to Jerome. Mm. And he offered us, he gave us $40 and we took the money. But on the way over there, well, you know, we started, he didn't speak. He didn't speak any English. We started finding a way of maybe trying to diss the guy. We never. Our intentions were never to hurt the guy. We just want. We were in English. We told one another, hey, "We're gonna get out. We're gonna we're gonna take a piss, and uh, we're gonna all get back in and leave him out here." You know what I mean? And the guy wasn't having it. And then one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I mean, we hurt this guy pretty bad. I mean, we hurt him pretty bad. He he dragged himself maybe like thirty minutes to to a ranch and, and asked help for help, and then. We, you know, at around five in the morning, we at a store and the cop, we got surrounded by cops. Wow. It was pretty bad, brother. It was, it was pretty bad. I got five years, five years, four months for that. And I remember going to court when I got found guilty, I, I wanted to go to prison. Mm. I, I said, as stupid as that sounds, I wanted to go make, 
a name for myself as a gang member. So, you know, because people, when they get out of prison in California, oh, man, this guy's cool, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I wanted to be that cool motherfucker. I wanted to call the shots, and I, I wanted people to be uh, afraid of me. And the reason why is because my mom, she used to call me, belittle me, and say that I was going to amount to be nothing like my no no uh, no good father and that, you know, that I would never be anything in life. So I wanted to prove her wrong, you know what I mean? In that way, it's... it's as twisted as that sounds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I hear where you're coming from. So all, all that just twisted your perspective on what it means to define who you were and that influenced how you acted. So you were young going going away for several years and you're actually looking forward to yeah, doing that. Yes. And the so what gang were you affiliated with? And was it the, the was it the same uh, gang you're affiliated with the whole time? The Norteños is Northern California. And yeah, we, we, we had, and we had a lot of riots. I, I was involved in a lot of riots with the Sureños, you know. And you know, I think it's meaningless now. Now that I look back, sure, it's really stupid. Yeah, stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is what it is, brother. It is what it is. Yeah. So I, I mean, looking back now, because I mean, that was, you know, what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Some thirty years worth of your life that was wrapped up in that, or twenty some years. How many years? Well, I, I did. I did about. A total of 16 years behind bars. Wow. Yeah. Behind bars, total 16. And I did, I, I escaped from, I escaped from the youth authority. So I had a level four points. I would end up on yards with, with level four inmates that were, were, do, were serving life for mm -hmm. homicide, you know, just killers, brother. And I'm, I'm 19 years old, surrounded by killers like that, mm -hmm. you know? And so, so I got a lot of school from them, a lot of education from the older guys. Yeah. So, so how did that shape you when you checked out then? I mean, did that just bolster the initial idea that you going there was going to give you some notoriety when you left and it was going to give you some street cred? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't want to glorify. I don't want to yeah. make it look like it's a Hollywood. I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make this cool for anything. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, how it was, what was going through my mind at the time. Mm. I, I, I became a legend. I was like, you know, people were afraid of me. I got out and people were like, you know, oh, I heard of you. I heard of you. Oh, I heard nothing but good things about you in other towns with all the other Norteños. And I was, you know, because of my violent uh, behavior, you know, what I mean, I would volunteer to take out the trash. And what that means is if a sis came in or a child molester, I would raise my hand, you know, volunteer. And it, it got to the point where they gave me my nickname, my moniker, which what they call me Shanker, you know, someone that would go on a mission because I wanted to, I wanted to prove to others that I was a, a valuable asset yeah. to the gang. Yeah. All that points to exactly what you're talking about before this uh, rejection that you experienced early on in life. And now you're looking for acceptance and you are looking for it so much that you're willing to go to any extreme in order to get it. And you're finding it within the confines of the gang life, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I started looking into it a little bit. I was doing some, just some reading up on stats with, uh, with violent street gangs and just kind of, um, you know, we see this glorified in culture. Like you said, I know you're saying right now, you're not wanting to glorify any of this because you experienced some of the consequences, which I want to ask you here in just a second. But obviously Hollywood and music all glorifies that. And even, at one point in time, you were wrapped up into that. I know you even produced an album that featured you know, some other prominent uh, Norteños, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. I, I was, you know, when I when I started the music thing, um, you were, I mean, you remember I, I met you through through uh, through uh, Jesus, and I mean, and I I was going through a divorce from with Maria, and 
I gave everything to that to that marriage, to that relationship. That I felt that when, when we separated, that I, it was time to do something for me. And I remember walking into the guitar center, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I wanted to record. I told this one of the sales reps at the guitar center there, and boys, I go, what, "What are you looking for?" I told him, "I just want to record." He goes, "Well, you'll need this and this and this." And I just walked out with a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. and I basically learned on my own, you know, just like you, just as yourself. Yeah. You know, and and so at the time I was going through a pretty low time in my life, and I, the only thing that I really knew was the gangs and the, you know, and the glorifying and the whole being cool. So, so that's basically uh, why I why I did that. But I did it as a hobby, you know. I I never thought it was going to go anywhere. It, it just escalated by itself with with uh, Tito B and Lil Corner when they did that show uh, with Twister and the Ying Yang Twins and Boys. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 just opened up the gates. And, and again, because of who I was, they, you know, you have to understand with in the music industry and in the game industry, they're not just going to record with you even though you pay them or whatever. I didn't have to pay them, but they'll check who you are. They'll check your background. There is a good, no good list, and they'll check. Mm-hmm. And I guess they must have had some pretty good. Uh, good uh, results or someone might might have gave a good word about me and right away the doors just opened up for me you know what i mean yeah no, i remember that i remember barbecuing with with you guys and you know you having various people that had come up from out of town and just kind of absorbing just watching you know i was observing everybody and the behavior and everything and to me it was kind of yeah fascinating in a way you know because i mean you grew up watching movies like american me and and you know blood in blood out and Hollywood really does glorify this stuff, man. And I remember Definitely. talking to one of the younger homies that was there barbecuing one day. And I don't remember his name, but he was, he wasn't from around town. He was from somewhere else. And I remember he was all tatted up, his face tatted up and, you know, trying to. Oh, yeah, that was Spider. Spider. Yeah, I Spider remember. G. Okay. I remember talking to him, man. And I had one of these conversations with him where I don't remember what I asked him exactly, but it was kind of asking him, like, you know, who you are and why you do what you do type of thing. And we were just having a candid conversation, you know, I was just chopping it up because we were barbecuing. Yeah. His responses to me really made me think, man. And I was like, man, I wonder what this guy's life was growing up and what compelled him to go here. Cause it sounds like he's not even quite sure. Maybe, you know, some of the decisions that he's made to get to where he's at today. And I began to wonder, I was like, how many others are in a similar boat, you know, or by circumstances of their home life of whatever, cause them to make decisions where now this is where they're finding security. This is where they're finding a sense of safety. And as dangerous as it can be, that seems like the best option to them at the time. And it sounds like you probably. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I, and Spider, he be, he was actually a good friend of mine. We did a song together. As a matter of fact, we, we performed, uh, there's a video it's called, you know what it is, something, something like that with Roman Rome. But he, 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 he actually, I took him under my wing and he's, he's from, he's from Tulare County. Okay. And he later on actually got into some problems. And I, and I think he's still in prison, maybe, but mm-hmm. I, he's, the guy, if you really, if, I don't know if you really talked to him on a, on a personal level, but he's not really not a bad guy, even though you see the tattoos and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. he really wasn't that. Uh, he wasn't a bad guy. His, you uh, matter of fact, his parents or his aunt or I, I remember his parents. They sent him to Idaho to live with his aunts or his uncles because they couldn't handle him over there in California any longer. Mm. So you know, that's where I met him through Romy Rome. But the guy was a pretty, you know, even Romy Rome. Romy Rome, you know, he's he, he raps now. He's uh, for a church, and you know, he's a good wholesome, you know, value. You know, he's you know, he's just a good guy. Yeah. But you know, we get caught up in that that lifestyle because we're looking for something that we we were missing at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Romy Rome's mom uh, was an alcoholic. You, did you know? Do you know the backstory, the background behind Romy Rome? 
No, I don't, bro. I mean, not not to the depth that you put. His mom, me. his mom just yeah. His mom reminds me of my mom. She, I remember one day he invited me to the house. To, I was waiting. It was our, we always recorded, and his mom comes home drunk, and, she, and he she just cussing him out and just belittling him and just and I'm like, and he laughs it off and he's like, oh, come on, I got to come. And she comes up, the lady comes up to me and who are you? You know, just yelling. She's a stupid drunk and Rome's like, hey, he's helping me record my music. What? You guys are a bunch of thugs and you know I'm like, wow, this lady, wow. You know, I mean, if she wasn't. Romy Rome's mom, I probably would have maybe would have did something to her, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, Romy Rome kind of went through the same scenario too, and Spider, and most of us for the most part, yeah. Yeah, wow. A lot of similarities, huh? And and, and so up until Definitely. that time point, because that's when, you know, we were we were crossing paths and, and music obviously brought us together in more ways than one, but you know, I know you you went through some additional things during that season too, and it and it cost you quite a bit, right? And that's kind of the culmination of what I want to get to right now is like these decisions, yeah. although you were in some ways forced to kind of go in this direction and it's what you chose by circumstances, the choices cost you something deep and, you know, something that maybe you could even say you're still paying the price for on that. Um, Definitely. What are some of those things? Now, that, can I come? I want to comment something. Yeah. I want to comment on, excuse me for cutting you off. I want to come on one thing that you said. I think it's very important. Right now, when you mentioned that I was kind of forced to do, I, I mean, I wanted to, mm. but I understand what you mean by force. Like, for example, right now, if I was to go to prison in Mexico, I would have to run with the Norteños and we, we got it pretty bad out of her because there isn't very many of Norteños, even though I don't agree with that type of lifestyle anymore, but I am who I am and that's who I am. Mm. So it, that, kind of forces me you know otherwise if i was to go in there and say hey i'm a price i'm from tj that's where i was born but someone's someone remembers or spots me say this guy's another thing as i said they kill my ass it is that right yeah that's crazy man so so looking back now man as as somebody who i mean you're now in another country you know partly because of these decisions too right um you've spent considerable amount of time behind bars i mean what did you say 16 total of your 16 life? 16 years. Yeah. Yeah, 16 yep. total of your life. That's a long time, man, to be just locked up. And as somebody who's who's then lived through this life and not just, you know, banged on wax like we see so many people glorifying. But yeah, 6'9", 6'9", and Takashi. Right. Yeah, so somebody who's actually and not. They're just beating that guy up like crazy. No, no, it's sad, man. It's crazy. And but I have nothing against the guy. I like the guy. He helps people out. You know, he has a good heart. Just that he made some decisions that will forever, for I mean, forever, we're go, they're going to haunt him. Mm. You know? yeah. and he's, he's associated with the Bloods, and there's no, there's no backing away from that. He'll always be the snitch who snitched on the Bloods. Man. You know? So as somebody then who's gotten to this point in time, I mean, you got some, you got some life on you now, and you've actually experienced some of this stuff, walking it out. So if you were to say anything to others that are listening and considering you know, walking in similar footsteps or maybe they're already there and haven't quite contemplated the the weight of what could potentially come with that because they were never told that, right? It's like you you entered into this arena and it's not like somebody yeah. opened up the book and said, hey, this is what you're going to have to give up. This is what's going to end up happening, right? Like you end up kind of discovering that as you go along. Yeah, what yeah. would you tell yeah, somebody? Because, well, you know, I, 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 I kind of moved my... Moved, moved up the ranks, you know, I was 
there's, you know, the Nuestra Familia, you know, that's the mafia and everything. I'm not going to go into details over that, but I, I was, I was a part of that movement. I'm not saying that I was a member of actually like a Carnales, what they call it, but I would be like a sympathizer, someone that would sympathize with the cause. And I was basically accepted as, as one of them, but I never made the commitment or took the oath, but I had a lot of pull. I had a lot of weight. And I was an, I was a jerk with people. So if you're thinking about going into there, if, I mean, I'm not, I consider myself a bad guy. Imagine trying to later on get out and you got, you're stuck with people that are jerks and they're not going to allow you. Look at it as Sid Knight, like what he did with, with, with Death World. I mean, he, he, he ran Death World with an iron rod and an iron fish. And I mean, and, and that's basically that, the strong, that strongness, that, that, that force that, that, that that uh the violence that's what basically makes and it holds together any gang is is you know you show any weaknesses or you're backing down or you want to quit now no there's no quitting now yeah. there's no quitting now even if you wanted to quit and you get married there is no way out that's why you know it's blood in blood out yeah. you know it's, it's fucked up as it sounds if you're thinking about getting into a gang i'd say uh i'm not going to try to convince you not to but i'm going to say that if you like to be uh if you put placed in a, in a violent situations for the rest of your life, even though when you're not agree with with the the uh, ideology anymore, and you're married and you're just trying to get away and break free, forget about it. It's for life. It is what it is, and there's no getting around that. So if you if you want to be an idiot like I was, I guess, then by go ahead. You know what I mean? Wow. By do it. You know, but except expect a lot of fucking uh, negative. Things happen in your life, and there's going to be consequences, very bad consequences. Yeah. You know, taking, yeah, it is what it is, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tony, for for your transparency and just for being able to share some of these details with it. Uh, I'm hopeful that the listeners are taking away from it something that's going to cause them to reflect, something that's going to cause you to do some introspection about where you're at in your life and the decisions that you make. Because as you're mentioning, Tony, uh, they have eternal implications on what happens down the road. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Again, this is Gordon Tamayo checking out. Until next time.